Welcome to the Be Transformed podcast. I am Adam Lavecki and I'm here with DK Kim and we are your hosts. Thank you for joining us. We are in this space to help you renew your mind and transform your life. We will be having helpful, honest, and hard conversations about culture and the kingdom of God. These conversations will help you to not be conformed to this current culture and will help you to grow in Christ. Jesus commanded us to preach the gospel and make disciples. This is an ongoing digital discipleship discussion. If you find this helpful, please subscribe, review, and share the Be Transformed podcast. Welcome to episode two, Assuming Responsibility. So today we're going to be dialoguing on assuming responsibility in a culture of blame. Can you, can you unpack a little bit about the culture of blame first? Yeah, we live in a culture where people who haven't been victimized feel like victims. And uh, the, the narrative of the culture is that if you don't agree with me, you hate me. And it's always someone else's fault why I'm failing or why I can't succeed. And so there, there's a hyper-sensitive, uh, triggered um, environment, which is not conducive to assuming responsibility for your own life and changing. Is this like a, like a recent phenomenon, you think? Or you think this is kind of something that's been going on for a while in our, in our culture? I think it has been going on, but it feels like it has been proliferated race recently, like it's been accelerated. Okay. And it's very tiring. Mm, yeah. So it's kind of like we want to talk about how do we take the power, the control in our hands, in light of God, in alignment with the Father, and how do we, yeah, just take ownership of our own life and not be victims? Yeah. So I can't do God's will, and he won't do mine so I can't do what God does and God won't do what he's commanded me to do let me, let me run that back I cannot do God's part he will not do mine and I have to assume responsibility for what he's asking me to do and so there's changes in our life and we have to initiate those changes but even our initiation is only in response to his conviction his grace his mercy and him allowing us to see that something needs to change mm, yeah and so uh, nothing will change if you don't and many people want change but don't really want to change and i'm going to repeat this again because i think this is important um, most people don't change until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain and the discomfort of changing. That's a really um, profound point you made there. And I think it goes to myself as well. It's almost like we have to hit rock bottom first before we wake up. And sometimes I think, like, why is that? Like, why can't we catch it? Why aren't we smarter? Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, when I think about that, I'm like, that's that's really the, the reason Jesus came. That's the point of the gospel, right? Because we were hitting rock bottom as humanity, and that's when he came. Yeah. When you see yourself as sinful, then a need for a savior is good news. Yeah. If you think you're okay and God made you this way and you can continue to do whatever it is that you want to do, then it's it's difficult to recognize your need. Yeah. And I think um, 
to that point, one of the things that we live is the illusion that we have it together. When we think that, hey, you know, I don't need God. I'm not a sinner. I, I'm not. I'm not walking in darkness. And there's an illusion that your life is good. It's what you put in is the output that you you want. And there's like an illusion of like stability. Yeah. But that's a lie we all live in. Yeah, especially in first world countries, prosperity is a great distraction. And so the more prosperous I am, the more opportunity I have to be distracted from reality. It's like, you know, you have 28 subscriptions online to, you know, 10 different streaming services and you, you could distract yourself for only 40 or $50 a month. You would never have to face yourself. And we're not even talking about a porn addiction, a drug addiction. We're just talking about Paramount, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. Like you, you can have for 40 or $50 a month, you can never have to sit down and actually think about your life. You can engage in a, a, a pseudo reality through entertainment that can numb you and uh, cause you to not have to be willing to look at your own life and recognize, no, I actually do need to make some changes. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we just get, you know, really practical, you know, like what, what are, you know, you've been a pastor and a minister for a while. Like what are some real practical common things that people come to you and be like, Hey, I want to change, but you see like they're still in cuffs with certain things and like what, what's keeping them from like taking that step. So, when I, when I know that someone is ready to change, there's several things that uh, become clear. One, they stop talking and start listening. So humility opens up people's heart and opens up people's ears. And now instead of talking as a defense mechanism, they begin to listen. So there's a teachability, a humility, and then they reach for accountability. And, and they actually want someone to check up on them and hold them accountable because if you want to assume responsibility for your life and you want to grow and you want to change, one of, one of the ways that we change and that change actually becomes sustainable is not only through being teachable, but it's also being accountable. Because when I'm teachable, it means I'm willing to learn. But when I'm accountable, I also have to give an account for my ability. Right. Accountability. So I'm giving an account for my ability. So if I'm living less than I'm living under the ability that God has given me in my life, I need someone to be like, hey, man, I think you can do more than that. I think you can do better than that. And here are a few ways that I think that you can do better. So someone who really wants to change will receive correction. Someone who's serious about growth will solicit feedback. They will, they will ask, hey, um, can, can, you, can you tell me how I could do this better? Uh, am I doing this wrong? Is there a better way to do it? Is there a more efficient way? Um, and, and so I, I think that that's, that's pretty simple. But I actually want to go back to, like, I want to pull it back a little bit in mm-hmm. the sense of, like, when I first came to church, right? I came from like a street mentality and all, although I didn't really live in the ghetto, the ghetto lived in me. (laughs) It's like, you know, and so I I had this mentality of it's about money, women, money, power, respect, key life. And so that was kind of like, and I had this, this mentality. So I went to church in Wyckoff and I saw these people and they looked happy. And I just was like, these people are kind of weird, but I looked at them and then I looked at my old life 
and I had some solid friends. I had one friend who's like the most loyal person ever. And I looked at like my friends who I identified with. And then I looked at these other people. I'm like, these people are kind of weird, but there was something about those people that represented my future. And so I had to make a choice to disconnect, not because I didn't love my friends, not because I didn't appreciate my friends, but simply I felt God was taking my life in a different direction. And the people that you run with do determine the direction, the pace, and the trajectory of your life. So I made a decision that was difficult, but valuable. Let's, um, you, just, you just mentioned there were some people at that church that kind of, you said, marked your future or... They that? represented my future. What, what were those things? Like, what did you see that was like, that represents my future? Can you be a little bit more? Like, there was a guy, um, his name is Ali, and he's still a powerful guy in the Holy Spirit pursuing the presence of God. He's been doing the same thing for like the last 20 years, seeking after God. Now there's a whole bunch of people that are seeking after God with him. And so I saw him, and, and so, you know, it's like, he, he looked different than me. We come from kind of like different, like coming from a different place. But when I looked at him and I looked at some of these other young church kids, I'm like, these people, I don't, I didn't identify with them. You know, maybe I didn't dress like them. I just, I didn't know, but I knew intuitively in worship and seeing him worship and seeing other, other of these young people worshiping that these people represent my future. Wow. Wow. That actually resonates with me a lot because um even recently i was having a conversation and kind of thinking about why are some people stuck and why people kind of move forward and i was thinking about you know what what changed me like what moved me forward and i realized if i kind of look at the big shifts in my life it's because i found someone that's kind of ahead or just kind of like they have things in their life that i want and i go i want that and that, and that vision gives me the propelling force. But I don't hear a lot of that conversation when people are stuck. Like, I want that. Yeah. So, and that's humility to recognize that someone has something that you want. And, and so it's not about covetousness. It's not like, oh, I want your, you know, your headphones. It's like, man, like I've never seen headphones quite like that. And now that I know I can customize headphones, maybe I, I, I would. And so sometimes if you don't get exposed to something further and deeper and wider than yourself, you, you don't know and you don't know what to pursue because you don't, you don't have a vision for it. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw, you know, Ali worshiping and I saw this girl, uh, De Havilland and she's married to William Ford, who's a really powerful guy. Um, and she, De Havilland is a really powerful, um, woman, a prophet. And so I was, I, I just got around some of these people and, um, you know, th that they, th I was coming from a different place in them and a different space in them. Right. But I knew that they represented the future in terms of the way they were pursuing God is what I had in my heart. And although I didn't identify with everybody in Wyckoff, right. I didn't feel like, you know, like, Oh, I, I fit in here. I didn't care about that because I knew that if I don't change the folks that I'm running with, I'm going to not run in the right direction. Yeah. And so I think it's really, really important um, that you have the guts to cut off relationships that are not moving in the same direction. Like right now, I have no relationships, no meaningful, ongoing friendships 
with people who are not running hard after Jesus. So I'll love you. I'll minister to you. I'll pray for you. I'll wash your feet. I'll, I'll be a blessing, but I am only running with people who are running in the same direction. And so if someone wanted to be like, Hey, I want to be Adam's friend. I want to be close to him. There's no way someone could be close to me if they weren't pursuing the things that I'm pursuing. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not because I think I'm better than anyone. I don't think I'm better than anyone. One of the things our first pastor taught us is like, you're not better than anyone. You may be better off, but you're not better than anyone, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not about, oh, I'm better. No, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with my life is going in a very intentional direction. And I'm not going to give anyone permission to hinder the direction because I have to assume responsibility for my life because one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an account, not for your life, not for how people felt about me, but for what God called me to do. Yeah. But that idea of cutting off people, it sounds harsh, but it's necessary. How do you do that like, and represent Jesus well? You know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh, I found Jesus. I'm done with you. That doesn't translate to love sometimes. Is, is there a way, like a balanced way to do that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I, I, the answer is that I probably you know butchered that when I was young. Uh, me and my friends used to tell our other friends, you're going to go to hell, like you guys are in trouble. And uh, so we were kind of young and crazy. But, but the thing is that y- you can be gracious and say, hey, I, I really appreciate our friendship and I appreciate our history, but right now I'm really moving in this direction. And so um, I, I think that sometimes, you know, I, I think that in reality, I could have said things in a more gracious way, but I was also immature and young and hungry. And I really didn't care about how everyone felt about the decisions that I was making. I was trying to follow the Lord. But one of the things that one of my friends came to me, maybe 10 years after I'm following Jesus, he's like, um, my friends used to call me pops. So he's like, yo, pops, um, I know it's real. And I'm like, why? He said, because you never came back. Mm. And so that was my friend Friolito, which is Little Bean. And uh, he's from the Heights. And he, he moved to Little Ferry. And, and he was a really cool guy. We used to hang out in his house a lot. And, uh, but he, he knew the reality of my faith in the reality of Jesus because I never came back. Yeah. And it wasn't like I don't have love for people. Like all my old friends, like I totally care about them. Every When they come to my heart, I'll pray for them. But even church folks who are not moving and running in the same direction, I, I just don't, I'm, I'm at a point in my life, you know, I have a wife, three kids. I'm, I'm trying to seek after the Lord. I'm trying to live a life that is pleasing to him. I'm trying to assume responsibility for what I'm actually responsible for. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's funny? People that really care about you, they respect that. And they, they know it's a loss or there's a, you know, it's not going to be the same. But they, if they care about you, they say, yo, you got to do what you got to do. You know, they respect the change. They're behind it. People who don't really care about you, they want to just keep you back. They want to pull you in. They don't want you to change. And I noticed that difference, too, from people. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. The thing is that, you know, in life, we find Jesus. Jesus gives us hope. Hope uh, is the anchor of our soul. We, we, we get healthy hopefully (laughs) we get stable and then people see stability in our life they're like man like i i see god like 
man, like, look what God did in your life. Like, I know who you were. I know where you came from. I know how you were. And I know that what is happening in your life is, is, is an act of God. And, and many times, you know, if you're, if you just keep walking with the Lord, you'll get amazing opportunities to speak into the life of people and to be a blessing and to help people. And, and, and I think that that's really important. Like, I think that sometimes young people try to run back to their old friends prematurely and the world eats them for lunch. Like the best thing that you can do for your old friends and your family is let Jesus transform you and completely ratify your life so that you actually have something of substance for your friends and family. And so when you speak to them, it's like he's speaking. And the reality is with friends and family, it's a slow game in the sense of like, I'm not going to go and like change my family in a day. Like they're like, he's Adam, you know, like, but I just want to show them a Christ-like example. I just want to show kindness, love. I want to show patience. I want to be, um, you know, helpful in areas that I can be. I, I want to show the love and the patience of Jesus because there's some people, it's not like you're street evangelism. You know, you pray, you prophesy for someone, they start crying and then they get saved. Like friends and family, like it's a long game. Yeah. You know, um, when I think about my transformation in my early stages, you know, last week I told you about my hurdle was that whole intellectual hurdle about is it being God real? Yeah. But once that was settled, actually the hardest thing is what you were talking about. It's, I think the biggest fear I had becoming a Christian and making the jump was I was afraid of losing my identity in the world. Like what well, my friends, my reputation with my friends, my reputation with my family and just like things outside that I, I couldn't let it go. And that was like a constant tug of war to really be like, hey, I'm Christian. I'm, 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 I'm sold out for Jesus. Like that was really hard. Yeah, I think that it, it affects people differently. For me, that wasn't really hard. I really didn't. I never I didn't really care too much what people thought. But I, I cared about what I wanted to do. Mm. So I know that Jesus was going to orchestrate a crucifixion, a slow, painful, and public death of Adam or whatever Adam thinks and wants. And so that was a struggle for me. Like I, I would be smoking weed when I was a kid and say, one day I'm going to leave all this. And it, it, I really counted the cost because I knew like, man, like Jesus going to put a complete death to me. And when you're immature, you think you're losing when in reality, all you're actually doing is positioning yourself for gain. Wow. Yeah. So you know, you, 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 you get so much more than you lose. Mm. It's insane. Yeah. I would never like right now, I would never in a million years trade my old life for what Jesus has done. <laughs> like, I'm so thankful. Sometimes I, I'm like, man. I am thankful. Like, wow. <laughs> Jesus, like. So can we talk a little bit about, you know, how, do, how does one take responsibility? How does one make the practical steps? And you mentioned, you know, even people you surround yourself with, um, making sure there's people that you want to run with, that, that, that facilitates change and that's championing for you. Is there other things that to kind of grab a hold that we could talk about? Yeah, so if you go to Psalm 1, um, it's very simple. It's, it says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So what you see here is a progression of a man becoming more comfortable with evil. So he's walking, 
which is like passing by, and then he stands, and then he sits. And so you, you don't want to go to the ungodly for counsel. That's so, just discernment. Yeah, so I don't, I don't bring, and I teach people this, in the kingdom of God, crap goes uphill. I don't take my crap downhill. Mm. Like in, in, in the world, you go to the bathroom and there's pitch, and the pitch takes the, the waste out to the sewer, to the street, or, or if you're rich and you got a really big house, maybe the septic tank, depending on where you live in Bergen County. But for the rest of us, pitch takes the poop, obviously, out. And, and that, that's the same with septic tanks. In the kingdom, you got to take crap up. You got to take it to God. You got to take it to someone with wisdom, someone with self-control, someone who understands the word. You can't take your pain to people who are immature, who are unhealthy, and who do not seek God nor honor God's standards. Many people take their pain to the wrong place and only wind up with more pain. So what are some, some ways, like, like for in your life, who are those people? Like, where did you take it up to other than God? Friends, wise, older, wiser. Sometimes people don't have to be older to be wiser. But the reality is that I would take it to uh, Abner Suarez. Or I have a spiritual father, Steve Stewart. I have a pastor, David Greco. I have friends who are wise. Um, and so I would, I, I would take the issues to someone who is experienced in what I'm having question about. And so God provides great relationships over time, and you can, you can gain relationships with people who are very proficient in one area. So I got a guy I can talk, to the, you know, talk the Bible with. I got a guy I can talk finance with. I got someone I could talk weights with. You, know, you, you have to learn how and where to take your issues, yeah. right? If I have a flat tire, I don't go to the doctor. You, you go to the, you go to the, you know, the gas station or, or, or the mechanic. You have to learn where to take your issues. Um. Psalm 2 continues, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates day and night. So the, the whole point of meditating on the word of God is that you would premeditate to do what's right, which is the opposite of iniquity. Iniquity is premeditated sin. Sin stops me um, from knowing God. Iniquity stops God from knowing me. So when I begin to meditate on the word, it's not so that I can become more religious it's so that I can be more set in doing what is pleasing to God. And then I live in the pleasure of God. And then I live with the peace and the joy. And then you're like, wow, this is amazing. I, but, but it starts with focusing on the Lord, right? He's like a tree planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither. This is a supernatural longevity. There is supernatural longevity. Um, God plants us places where he wants us to prosper. I mean, th this is, but it all starts with don't get, don't, 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 don't go to the ungodly for counsel. Um, four, the ungodly are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly will perish. A lifestyle of sin is not sustainable. 
And I think that the temptation is sin for a season is pleasurable. So it feels good. It's easy. Um, but it's not sustainable. So if you want to last, you need wise counsel. You need to be anchored in God's word. You need to premeditate to do what is right. And the promise there is supernatural longevity. Your leaves will not wither. Whatever you do will prosper. Why? Because you're doing the right type of things. Moving into uh, Proverbs, he says this in Proverbs, I believe it's 20, let me see, I think it's 22. Yeah, 22, 24. Make no friendship with an angry man, right? The Bible is really clear on the types of people we should be and the types of people that we should be with. See, if I make friendship with an angry man, I can learn his ways. Or many times you, you go out with someone who's crazy and you find yourself in an unnecessary altercation because this crazy, angry person doesn't have self-control. And now you're in an issue and, and you're, you could be in a fight. You could get stabbed. You could get shot. Why? Because you're, you've made f- a friendship with someone who's angry and you may suffer for that. So it's like really, really important that you, you cut off people who are not wanting to honor the Lord. And it's not to be rude or religious. It's just like, why am I going to put myself in unnecessary situations when I'm trying to move in a whole different direction? Another scripture on the same uh, idea. 1 Corinthians 15.33, evil company corrupts moral habits. This is a very, very important uh, truth to understand, that what fellowship does light have with darkness, right? And, and we are, Jesus called us to be light, and so we're not supposed to be shining at the darkness. We're supposed to be shining for the darkness. So if someone doesn't see you living right, they can't get a vision of what the kingdom is like, right? So the whole purpose of this is not to be more religious. I'm supposed to be separate from the world, but for the world. So it's not like, oh, I'm holier than you. No, God has transformed and ratified my life. And now my life is supposed to be a testimony to what the kingdom looks like. It's supposed to be inviting, hospitable, gentle, kind, welcoming, stable, you know? Um, and that, that, is, that is the call of believers. We're supposed to be the light of the world, the salt uh, of the earth. We're supposed to be the leaven of the kingdom sprinkled into the loaf. These are all helpful. Light it helps you. you ever be, if you've ever been in darkness or, you know, like you're banging around somewhere and you don't know where, where you are, you know, let's say you're in a hotel room, you pull your phone out and that light is not like, oh my God, the light is offending me. No, it's like helpful. I'm like walking into things. And, and, and the salt is for preservation. We're supposed to be um, preservatives and, and not in the sense of like poison in our food, but preservatives, like we're supposed to be the salt of the earth, like salt in, in the old, uh, in the ancient world was was a preservative for meat. So it's actually preserving the value of meat and and keeping it edible so that's that we're supposed to be the keeping 
uh, power of God in the earth. So, so we're supposed to be help. This is helpful to people. I just, I just have to frame that clearly because people, when you talk about like separate and cutting, it's like people could hear something that we're not actually saying. Yeah. So then, you know, I, I think that's a struggle that I kind of went through myself. It's like, cause you know, when I left the world and kind of joined the church, I noticed that my community became all Christian almost. And I kind of started losing friends from outside the church. But then there's another part of me that's like, did my life become so insular that it's only this and I'm not really engaging, you know, outside of it again. And I don't know, that's like a, like a balance I felt like I need to kind of wrestle with myself. So any, any like um, advice on that topic? Yeah, I think that, that, that that's your heart wrestling with. I don't want to isolate myself from the people I'm called to love on and reach. And I think that the difference there really deals, the distinction, I'll say, is that who I'm friends with and who I'm running with is not really the same thing to me as who I'm loving on and reaching out to. So, so I think that my, my friends are the people that I let in and the people that I'm reaching out to are people that they're not like projects. It's not like, Hey, he's a project. Like, let me help this project. No, you're a person, you matter. And I want to extend kindness and love and hospitality, but I don't have to give everyone the same amount of access into my heart and into my life. And so I think that you need discernment. And I think that's what, you know, Proverbs 1 is really, uh, excuse me, Psalms 1 is really touching on. Who do you get counsel, f- you know, from? Wh- who do you walk with and who do you sit with, right? And so I think that to me, Jesus is the perfect model. When Jesus sits with sinners and, and prostitutes and tax collectors, in the ancient world, when you eat a meal with someone, it's not just a meal. You are initiating a relationship. And so he humanizes them and dignifies them, even though he doesn't approve of what they're doing. And I think that that's the model. I think that Jesus is always the model. That There was something radically gracious about Jesus. Like you could come to Jesus like exactly how you are. And if you didn't want to leave the same, you didn't have to. Yeah. Hey, um, I just want to circle back on something you touched upon earlier uh, in our conversation. You were talking about um, when someone really wants change, there's a humility and you ask for correction, advice and accountability. Kind of want to talk a little bit about the whole accountability part, because, you know, I've definitely been in situations where people are like, hold me accountable, hold me accountable. I want you to hold me accountable. But I don't know that that definition gets kind of blurry sometimes. Like, like does it even work? What, what is accountability that actually causes change, real change? Not Because sometimes, you know, I've been in situations where, like, you know, hold me accountable, so they'll share something. And then I'll be like, okay, that's not good. Don't do that. But then there's really nothing there. And, you know, same for myself. I've been in those situations, too. So what is, like, real accountability in relationship to change? I think practically people are not close enough to have their hands in on the real problem. So what we call accountability winds up becoming like confession with no real repentance. So it's kind of like we confess our sin enough to find like forgiveness, but we don't repent enough 
for transformation. Yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. And, and so that, that's obviously not a good thing. But um, I'll give you a metaphor. So I have a, a strength coach, and um, he's helped me get stronger. And one of the things he said to me was, if I'm going to look at your squats, you have to rearrange your room so that I can see if your hip crease is below the top of your knee so that the, the squat is to depth. So I wanted a coach because I wanted help because I felt like I need help, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, I needed that. But for me to receive the help, I had to restructure a literal room in my house. And to be honest with you, if I could be honest, I don't really like the way <laughs> it's restructured. I like the way it looked better. But if I want his eyes on the situation, I had to restructure. So if, if someone really wants to be accountable, they have to be willing to restructure their life enough to let someone in close enough to their struggle, to their situation, so that they could have hands on and hands in on the issue. And, and the thing is, is really good news is that one of the names of Jesus is the bishop of our soul, which is the overseer of our inner life. Is that, is that in scripture somewhere? Yeah, it's in, in Peter. Uh. He's the, the, the shepherd and the bishop of our soul. So he is the inner, uh, he is the inner overseer. He's the, the overseer of my inner life, which means nothing is hidden to him. I can't wiggle or squirm or lie, but he sees the reality. And I think that when you have a revelation that God sees, you don't really mind allowing someone who is mature and trusted in so that you can get some help. And so I think that, but I think that most of the time, the framework for accountability is based on negativity. Like, are you looking at porn? Are you, you know, are you having, are you fornicating? Are you um, still smoking weed? Like, that's very, very low level. That's like 101 accountability, which, you know, if you're really struggling with that, it's, it's obviously important. But another uh, way to see accountability is you giving an account for your ability. And so when I live in sin or perpetual iniquity, I'm actually dehumanizing myself and I'm actually basically robbing myself of who I could become in the kingdom if I would yield to God and do life his way. So when you bring in someone on accountability, it's not only like, hey man, are you, are you looking at this? Are you doing that? Like that's one. But then on the other side of the coin, it's like, man, you have these talents, man. Like you're supposed to be a prophet, a mm. writer. So there's like a building up and yeah. kind of really speaking at the true identity aspect. Yeah. I, I never heard that before. Wow. Yeah. That, and so that to me is... It's two sides of the same coin. And so if it's all like, oh, you're amazing. When are you going to write that book? Well, you know, maybe you're not writing that book because you're addicted to something and you're preoccupied with that something. So let's deal with the pain and, and let's deal with why you're, you're medicating this pain with addiction so that you can get free. And write this amazing book that's inside of you. 
But if your conscience isn't clear and you're not pursuing the Lord and walking in faith and obedience, it's hard to live in all that he has when you're preoccupied with all that you want. Hmm. What, what would you say to someone who, you know, they want this kind of relationship? They're like, I want, I want someone to really hold me accountable. I want someone that I trust to give me wisdom and give me, give me um, ways to get out of my situation. And they look around their, their, their circles. There's no one that, that fits that bill. Like what, what's like, what's like the first thing they could do? So it depends on if we're talking about inside the church or outside of the church. So if you're talking about outside of the church, I would say that submit your life to Jesus, talk to God like he's a real person, open the Bible, find a church where people seem kind and loving and where the Bible seems important and connect there and gravitate towards someone who's more stable. And I think that if you're a Christian already in the church, I think that Christians want to be mentored by either the pastor or the next superstar preacher, and they neglect an amazing person that's right in front of them that actually cares about them and wants to help them. But since they're not well-known or popular, they neglect what is right in front of them. And I think it's really foolish. Like, young Christians who are really hungry for God are often immature, selfish, unstable. And so there's a guy, he's like 36 and he's married with two kids and he's like stable. He pays his bills. He doesn't beat his wife. You know, he's like a normal person, like functional. He loves God. He honors God. That guy can help you get to the next level when you're 23 and you think that you're hungry for God and you're ready to walk on water. Many times there's help right in front of us, but we can't see it. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great that's a great word because I do feel like there are a lot of people in that stage. They're not pastors, they're not these big leaders, but you know they follow the Lord, they love the Lord, and it's in their heart to disciple someone and help people. But they're not the type to be like, "Yo, I'm going to be your mentor. I'm going to be," you know. So yeah. I think you got to reach out and, and find those people. Yeah. I I agree with you one hundred percent. If you want, like, let's say let's say you're hungry, right? You, you go to the fridge, you go to the food court, you go to Google and you order food. I mean, you gravitate toward what you're hungry for. So if you're the one who's hungry, you have to move toward what you recognize will be able to help you where you are. And, and, and I think that that's really important. Like, and, and I think too, that if you don't steward the relationships that God has given you, what makes you think he's going to entrust you with a greater relationship? Be thankful for the people right in front of you. Like there's people you're listening to this. There's people in your church that God can use to transform your life and help you move into the next level don't stumble over that they don't have 10,000 followers on Instagram or they're not the new, you know, coolest worship leader. That, that doesn't matter. That's not impressive to God. We want celebrity. God is looking for integrity. Mm-hmm. I, if I was young, I would find someone that does what they say and 
means what they say and 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 lives what they believe and i would ask for help yeah especially people that have the bandwidth for you too usually you know you, you, yeah you go after these you know sought out people they don't have the bandwidth so yeah no in the bandwidth for those of you like what does that mean it's like someone who has room in their life for you the yeah. good news is that Jesus always has room for us. It's yeah. like, so if we seek him, he will introduce us to people that will be helpful and instrumental in our relationship with him and in his calling. Now, this kind of throws me into something that I wasn't really thinking of. But I, I find that the most significant people I have met in my life are all people who I've met along the way in me being resolute in following Jesus. So in me trying to walk out the assignment that God has clearly given me, when I'm walking down that road, I find people along the way that are instrumental in who I'm becoming, in what I'm called to do, people that I'm called to help and serve. And I I find a, a tremendous give and take in the context of me being committed to following Jesus and walking out the assignment. You got any examples of what that looks like? How that plays out? You. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so God called us to plant a church. We, we, for years we're like, what is happening? Like, why? Like we didn't. And, and now it's a lot more clear. Hmm. You're, you are literally a living example of exactly what I'm talking about. Like, it was in my heart to do a podcast. There's things that you do to help make this happen that I don't do. I don't know how to do. I'm not sure if I even have time to do. And so the gift of you helps us speak to people right where they are right now. That's that's an exact, wow. that's exactly what I'm talking about. And, you know, like four months ago, we didn't even know each other. But that's funny how God just aligns people that way and you just respond. Yeah, and we're sitting in the business of Will Zapata in the in the Parker recording here. He was one of the first people that came and stayed. Like he he came and stayed. When you first planted the church. Yeah. He was there only a few months after that. Mm. And so that's another example of he's been a great gift to our life. My dad loves him like a son. We love him like a brother. Um, y- you know, and now we're, we're, we're recording the Be Transformed podcast in the Parker in West New York. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy how, you know, I don't know. It's just so funny. Like even a year ago, um, Tina and I, we were just kind of like praying about people we want to run with. We're like, we just want to run with people. We just want to go after the same things of the kingdom. And we even came down to West New York without even thinking we'll find a church in West New York. And lo and behold, you know, that, that this is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And, and you also represent a demographic that we were after. We were after second generation people who come from, um, an ethnic church in the sense of like you come from a Spanish speaking church or you come from a Korean speaking church or we, we were like, we're after the second generation English speakers, young people, young families. We feel called to reach them, run with them, encourage them. And so it's, it's, 
but this is, you know, seven years later. And so by patience, <laughs> with faith and patience, we inherit the promises. So, yeah, Adam, you know, um, in this conversation, we were kind of talking about talking about, you know, what are some practical things to make changes? And it seems like, you know, relationship, that's huge relationships and how you surround yourself with people, the people you need to cut off. That's not healthy. The people that you want to run with. Um, is there anything else, though, outside of relationships you want to get into? Or do you think? I think that our relationship with God is huge. That's the first. And that helps me do the right thing with the other relationships he provides. So that that's it. But then there's the other simple thing of what you put in yourself and who you surround yourself with will determine the trajectory of your life. So if you poison yourself um, with, I don't know, rap music or uh, drugs or porn, um, if you feed on things that feed the sinful nature instead of feeding on things that feed the redeemed humanity, I think that that'll be really destructive, especially in the beginning. And it's not like, oh, I'm not saying like five years in, you could go back to watching porn. I don't mean that. I just mean that in your formative years, it's really important that you you watch your diet. Um, it's really, really important um, who you allow to influence you. Yeah, especially in this time where everything's influencing. Everyone's an influencer in their own way. You just turn on Instagram or YouTube and something's try- someone's trying to tell you something and give you an opinion. Yeah. But like you said, all opinions aren't equal. All opinions are not equal. Yeah. I think that it comes down to seeking after the Lord, stewarding the relationships that he's given us, and being cautious of what we ingest, what comes into the ear gate, the eye gate, um, I think that that's very, very simple. Um, And many things that are simple are not easy, (laughs) but they are beneficial. And so if you're in this position where you're, you're in a transition in your life right now, I would say seek the Lord, seek after people who are seeking the Lord, and don't do things that you know you shouldn't do. And God will make it more and more clear as to what you should be doing. I think that 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 is just my simple kind of like closing advice. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Well, that's it for today's episode. We'll be back with more conversations around change, transformation, and also things to engage with in today's culture. This is DK Kim. And Adam Lavecki. Thanks for listening. Adam Lavecki here. On behalf of DK Kim and I, we want to thank you for listening to the Be Transformed podcast. If you have found this helpful, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. Thanks again for listening to Be Transformed.